What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, State of the State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 156. Shout-outs to everybody that's tuning in. I appreciate all of you guys tuning in. I wanted to talk about our free agency so far, um, the Knicks roster, and the moves that we made and how does it affect our roster rotations, actually. So, um, so far this offseason, going down the line, we signed Isaiah Hardenstein to a two-year, $16 million deal. And we also signed Jalen Brunson to a hundred-plus million-dollar deal. Um, I like both of the pickups. It's underwhelming that, you know, Leon Rose had to move off assets in order to get off some of these bad contracts that he signed last season, but it's understandable. Um, those assets don't really mean squat. It was just two second-round picks, um, Nerlens Noel and, of course, Alec Burks, everybody's favorite guy. So shout outs to those two guys. Um, wish them nothing but the net, n- nothing but the best. But once a Nick, always a Nick, man. I appreciate both of those guys. So let's talk about Isaiah Hardenstein first. Um, in twenty twenty one, he averaged a career high eight point three points per game, four point nine rebounds per game, two point four assists per game, and one point one blocks per game. All his career highs, by the way. He had a sixty six true shooting percentage. That is a career high. He had a 65% effective field goal percentage, which is also a career high. Um, Love the guy. Love the fact that he's a good passer. I think that's one of the great things, the underrated things about his game. He's a great passer. And the best part about his game, actually, is his rim protection. So of of the 57 players that qualified, right, that defended at least 250 shots at the rim. Hardenstein ranked first in defensive field goal percentage, and he only allowed 47.5% at the rim. So second on this list is Rudy Gobert. He uh, he allowed 49%. Third on this list is Jaron Jackson Jr., who allowed 49% as well. And fourth on this list is Jared Allen, who only – People only shot 51% basically against him at the rim. So that's great, right? And he's coming from an organization with the Clippers where um, Ty Lue, I love what he's doing over there. Um, I love the the sets that he's he runs over there. But I love the fact that all of the stats um, about this guy shows positivity and production on the court. And also, um, he was 15th in the NBA in PER. Um, I hate that stat. He was a plus seven on court. His um on off court rating was a plus nine point nine. He has a plus seven net rating, which is great. Um, 
61% from three in April. He had 127 offensive rating and 106 defensive rating. Um, just to give you like a little thought about that, R.J. Barrett, who's probably our team's best perimeter defender, um, had a 111 defensive rate on the season. So that's good, man. Those, those are good numbers coming from this guy who's going to be Mitchell Robinson's backup. Um, I, I, I love the pickup, man. Low-key, you know, two-year, $16 million deal, um, $8 million per year. Um, we could re-sign him again uh, next offseason if he shows um, good production. And I think one of the low-key stats that I looked up um, on this guy is my first question when we signed him was, is he a, is he a floor spacing big? Can he space the floor? That's my thing, right? And, you know, I looked it up. Uh, I seen that he shot towards the end of the season, right? Well, last season, basically, he made 14 of his 33-point attempts for the Clippers last year. So it shows growth in that area where we need another uh, uh, big who can space the floor, give our guards um, room to operate. Uh, and I like the fact that he will take that shot. So what I don't like about Mitchell Robinson, right, is his offensive game. He's primarily a rim runner, um, lob threat. Um, but this guy is opposite, right? He's not really a lob threat. He's not really a rim runner. But if you give him the ball off the pick and roll, he's going to score at the basket. That's for sure. That's one thing that we know. Um, and his passing. I think it's per 36, right? I think he averaged almost five assists per game. And I think towards the end of the season, his last 10 games, he averaged about 4.6 assists per game. So high IQ basketball play on the offensive side of the ball, that's one thing. That's one of the things that the Knicks needed. Um, defender, um, I think Tibbs is going to be minimal drop-off when Mitchell Robinson actually – has to sit down finally. Um, shout out to Nerlens Noel, but he has hands of bricks, and his hands is like feet, <laughs> bricks, feet, whatever you want to call it. But Nerlens Noel, um, shout out to that brother. But this was a clear upgrade, man. This was a clear upgrade. So kudos to Leon Rose for Isaiah Hardenstein that pickup. Um, the next pickup that we got is Jalen Brunson. Um, Oh, and another stat I just looked at from Isaiah Hardenstein. He's in the 90th percentile and um, the 95th, 95th percentile in rim defense, 97th percentile in block percentage, 3.1 defensive box plus minus, higher than Rudy Gobert, higher than Bam Adebayo, higher than Marcus Smart. He shot 61% from three on close to three attempts in April. And he's also younger than Obi Toppin, so <laughs> it's a it's a lot of good news on this guy, man. And then when you look up, um, what people you know say about this guy, they they say he's a hard worker. They say he he does well on rotations. Um, the fact that he has he, he now I'm reading from Basketball News currently right now, right? So. What they got right here, basically about his passing, is he he basically can operate the offense from the mid range the the mid range area, right where the foul line the foul line is at. 
basically an area where Julius Randle makes some of his decisions at. So he's he sports a 22.2 assist rate from the elbow. Good for third among the 20 players with at least 200 elbow touches this season. That is great news. Um, also, Hardenstein has an elite 18.5 assist rate that ranks in the 92nd percentile among all bigs since All-Star break. Um, that is great news to hear. So, you know, according to NBA stats and second spectrum, Hardenstein ranks sixth among all centers with an 11.2 adjusted assist to pass ratio in 2021-2022. Behind only Nikola Jokic, Mason Pumley, um, Sergon, Stephen Adams, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, those are some good passes, by the way, for bigs. The NBA is just littered with bigs right now who could do multiple things at that position, at the center position. And it's, it's nice to rejuvenate our center position with somebody other than Mitchell Robinson, a guy who could just rim run and, you know, dive to the rim. But the, the crazy thing is, you know, I always wanted to ask myself this question. And I ask people this question all the time. Is that what the Knicks are telling him to do? Are they just, do they want him to just double down, triple down on what he does great, which is, you know, being around the rim, being a lob threat, um, being active on defense. Is that just the organization asking him not to shoot the ball? Or is that just Mitchell Robinson? He just can't shoot the ball. But a story that came out a few years ago, not even a story, but actually Tom Thibodeau basically said out his own mouth, we want Mitchell Robinson to up his free throw percentage before we want him to um, actually stand out to the mid-range and take mid-range jumpers. And I respect that. I respect that sentiment from uh, Tom Thibodeau. So moving on from Hardenstein, let's talk about Jalen Brunson, man. Um, Jalen Brunson, he played well in the playoffs. I will admit that. Um, Jalen Brunson, six foot one point guard, Villanova, um, two-time national champion. Um, he's been a w- winner basically all his life. He's been around the NBA all his life. His dad, Rick Brunson. Um, is a Nick as well. <laughs> uh, shout out to his dad. Um, shout out to Leon Rose for bringing in Jalen Brunson. So, my only beef with the Jalen Brunson thing was how the hell can you justify Brunson being on a hundred plus million dollar contract and then you still have Julius Randle here who's making a hundred plus million dollars on his contract and you have both of those guys in the same starting lineup. And you still have Evan Fournier, $18 million contract. You still have Derrick Rose, $14 million contract. I need to know what is the next plan? What is the next move? Because if you're going to make RJ wait, they're not going to understand it. You get what I'm saying? Like, I could totally understand why you wouldn't wait to pay RJ Barrett next offseason instead of this offseason. But at the same time, when you paid all of these motherfuckers off the almighty fourth seed, it gives me a cause to pause. So I I want to know what's the plan with that. But that's besides the point, right? We got Jalen Brunson in the building. We dealt with Alfred Payton. We dealt with Kemba Walker. We dealt with Alec Burks. So, you know, this is probably the best point guard the Knicks have had. Sheesh. Um, since 2004, 
Stephon Marbury. Um, shout out to Stephon Marbury, by the way. But that was the last time the Knicks have had a decent point guard. Um, the one thing about Brunson that I love and it showed in the playoffs is his toughness, man. The kid is tough, man. So the example was when they was playing the Suns, um, I know y'all all seen the viral video of Booker. I think Booker called Jalen Brunson a bitch. And what proceeded to happen the next 12 minutes was Jalen Brunson repeatedly hunting Devin Booker on switches and going straight at Devin Booker, straight at him. He constantly kept scoring on Devin Booker to the point I felt like he demoralized him. And that was crazy, man. That was crazy what I seen from Jalen Brunson in the playoffs, man. And he, was, he, he showed that he could play without Luka. That's another thing, too. I wanted to see his production without Luka. He showed that he could handle a team. He showed that he could be a lead guard. He showed that he could get guys in their spots. Um, but the shooting, let, let, let's start with some of the areas, right? So Brunson, yes, he's 6'1". Okay, cool. But the true shooting percentage is is, is great, right? He shot 58% true shooting percentage, right? If you filter the list of guards who actually play big roles over 10 shots per 10 shot attempts per game, Brunson ranked 12th out of 72 available eligible guards. That's behind players like Stephen Curry, Zach Levine, Trey Young, and just ahead of players like Devin Booker and Chris Paul. So being six foot one and shooting over 50% from the field in his last two seasons while taking tough shots, going to the basket amongst the trees, that is really impressive coming from Jalen Brunson, right? With all due respect to Emmanuel quickly, love quickly, but I love Brunson more at the starting point guard. And then another thing you could appreciate Brunson, right? Brunson shot 59% around the rim, 58% on floaters, 48% from mid-range, and 38% from beyond the, beyond the arc last season. Um, that's tough, man. That is tough, man. I love those statistics, man. That, sh that shows you that Brunson can get to the rim at will. He handles um, the basketball perfectly. He gots the ball on the string. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And um, people that call... You know, Brunson, uh, a score first point guard, right? He's very careful with the ball. So Brunson had an assist turnover ratio of 3.04. Among qualified guards, that ranks 15, 15th out of 131 players. If you take a closer look at that list, the only guards with a better assist turnover, turnover ratio who actually handled the ball as much as Brunson was Chris Paul, Tyrese Maxey, Deontay Murray, Terry Rozier, and Tyrese Halliburton. The Knicks, we wasn't a high turnover team last season, but that was largely due to their slow, low-risk offense, right? So Brunson is going to be speeding that offense up. His 4.8 assists per game won't razzle-dazzle you, but at the same time, he was still, you know, playing off of Luka Doncic. Um can he give you 20 and 7 next season? He possibly can. He possibly can, right? Um, Brunson, like, like, now, here's for context, right? 
when it comes to Jalen Brunson. Um, some stats for the for the Mavs and Jazz series. Brunson, 28 points per game, five rebounds, four assists, just 0.8 turnovers. He's very careful with the ball. A 53 um effective field goal percentage, right? Donovan Mitchell, 25 points per game, four re um four rebounds, six assists per game versus almost three turnovers per game with an effective field goal percentage of 44. So he basically outplayed Donovan Mitchell that whole play that whole playoff series. And if you was watching that playoff series, you see, you can see it. Like Brunson was not scared of nobody. Every time he would go at those boys. And I love that about um Jalen Brunson. Um, 16 points per game last season, 50% from the field, 37% from three, 84% from the free throw line, a 58% a, a 58 true shooting percentage, right? Um, 7.5 win shares, 7.8 Raptor, um, Raptor. Uh, this is all about Luka Doncic. This is with Luka Doncic having a 41% usage rate. A 41% usage rate is unheard of. That's like me in my career mode, right, constantly having the ball in my hands and I'm the point guard and I'm always pressing X to get the ball back. <laughs> That's, that is crazy, man. So salute to Jalen Brunson, you know, playing within a role. Um, he could play on ball or off ball, um, mid-range shooter. That is great to see that Jalen Brunson – could basically play next to guys who is ball dominant, right? Um, the one, uh, another thing, man, just just going down the line, you know, Jalen Brunson comes from a family that knows basketball. He's been around basketball his whole life. He's been in the Knicks locker room. Um, he's taking pictures on the Knicks floor as a kid. So that these things are nice to see from Jalen Brunson. Now, looking at the Eastern Conference. Can Jalen Brunson be an all-star? You know, that's the question that you would you would love to ask um, anybody. I wonder if Raptor fans was asking themselves, can Kyle Lowry be an all-star when he first got to the Raptors? And then when he first got to the Raptors, actually, Kyle Lowry, um, the Raptors wasn't winning that much. Um, they started winning over time, but it took time, right? You got to give a young point guard like that a chance to grow. And um, Brunson is 25 years old. So I'm gonna give him that chance, right? And and think and look at it like this, right? So let's go to Brunson's rookie year. His rookie year, he averaged nine points, 47% from the field, right? His second year in Dallas, you know, hampered with injuries and whatnot, you know, his points lowered. He, he only averaged eight points per game. But his field goal percentage didn't dip all that much. That's impressive, right? Um now, his third season, he started to pop, started to see it. He averaged 25 minutes per game. He averaged 13 points per game on 52% from the field. Mind you, he's 6'1". This is a 6'1 point guard right here, right? Um, His fourth year, he averaged 16 points per game, you know, 50% from the field, 3.9 rebounds, career high, and a 4.8 assists. That's a career high. And that was also accommodated with – uh, this guy Luka Doncic being out most of the last season, and um, yo man, it showed man, it showed, and, and also it's crazy, right? Because last season Brunson played a thousand two hundred eight minutes without Luka, 
Um, that's per NBA advanced stats. Boosting his usage rate from 17 to 27 without Luka on the court and maintaining a 56 true shooting percentage. That is very positive. That is positive to see that he can continue his production, continue his um, consistency while getting a bigger role. That's what you want to see. Like when a guy gets a bigger role, you want to see does he maintain his percentages while getting that bigger usage rate. So that's where, you know, guys like people, when people frown at R.J. Barrett, for example, he got a bigger role last season, but his percentages dipped. So he got to up his percentages, man. He got to get that better, man. That's that's why Jalen Brunson, he, he's so underrated. And, um, people like me who scoffed at the $100 million for Jalen Brunson can prove me wrong, right? He might really prove me wrong. Um, just looking at everything, you know, looking at the stats, looking at um, his career so far, and looking at basically 20 and 7 without Luka Doncic on the floor, it, 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 it's, it's great to see positivity finally coming from our point guard position. Um, shout out to Emmanuel quickly. I, I know people see the pictures with him and the hand things with um, Donovan Mitchell and those guys. They was at a party and stuff. So shout out to my boy quickly. I'm hoping quickly is in the gym. I'm hoping quickly is trying to get better each and every day. And I put out a tweet um, recently and I asked people, you know, what's the need for Derrick Rose? Um, Brunson's my starting point guard. Quickly's my backup point guard. And somebody um, reshared my tweet and basically called Quickly Lou Williams. Quickly liked that tweet. So I know Quickly be watching. He hit, he is a Twitter lurker. <laughs> so got to be careful what you say. But I'm hoping that Quickly gives Brunson that smoke in everyday practice. Practicing versus Brunson will make Quickly a better basketball player. Um, him and Brunson can sit down. They can look at a lot of film together. And, excuse me, I probably got the stat wrong. But games last season, this is just last season, with Luka, Brunson averaged 16 points per game, four assists per game. 16 points per game with four assists per game, right? Without Luka, 20 games, he averaged 22 points per game and seven assists per game. That is very impressive, man. That is very impressive from, from our new point guard. Um, shout out to CBS Sports, who also gave us a D-plus for Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> um, my ideal starting five, if Brunson is my starting point guard, right now would be, and this is just with Julius Randle on the roster, I would start Brunson that point. I would start Reddish at the two or RJ at the two, and I would start Reddish at the three or RJ at the three, with Randall and Mitchell Robinson rounding out the starting five. I think Reddish gives Randall – I mean, I think Reddish gives – yeah, he gives Randall some cover, but he also gives Brunson some cover too on switches. Um, Reddish led us in um, past deflections last season when he was here, for the minimal time he was here. I know he wasn't given a fair shake. Um last season so hopefully this offseason he's working on his game i feel like brunson could bring the best out of a guy like reddish he could also bring the best out of out of a guy like rj barrett 
you know, it's tough watching R.J. Barrett last season get the ball on in isolation situations, and R.J. would literally pass the ball back to Evan Fournier. And I'm looking at my fucking TV screen like, R.J., what the fuck are you doing? And R.J. would get the ball back, and he'll do a stupid-ass move and try to go left, knowing that he has the handle of a three-year-old child. And now it's less pressure on R.J. to try to facilitate and get play, get certain players going by himself. Now that's Jalen Brunson's job. Now Jalen Brunson can take the pressure off of everybody. Um, it used to be tough watching Mitchell Robinson under the basket, seals off a point guard, and literally nobody will pass him the ball. That was tough for me to watch a lot. And that's been happening to Mitchell Robinson these past four years. So that's another thing that's going to change. I'm expecting Mitchell Robinson to have career highs next season in points and rebounds per game um, and steals per game, too. Um, just having Brunson on the court is going to affect both sides of the ball, man. You you got a guy who everybody instantly can respect as soon as he walks in the locker room. Um, I'm hoping we can get, you know, one day we could we, we could have Brunson. Uh, try to recruit um, a guy like Mikel Bridges to the Knicks too, man. I would love Mikel Bridges, man. He's the perfect 3 and D wing player that you could put right next to R.J. Barrett and it will work seamlessly. Um, the guy who I haven't mentioned yet, I probably mentioned him already, but the guy Brunson can most can help with the most is Julius Randle. Now, Julius Randle is not a bad basketball player, right? 2010 and 5. The problem with Julius Randle is his fucking attitude. Um, you know, he doesn't take criticism well. When he's not having a good game and his shot is not falling, it affects all the other areas of his game. He doesn't hustle back on defense. You know, he whines to the refs, did that in the, this, that, and the third. And even besides all of that, with him bitch at, at playing like a bitch most of the season, still averaged damn near 20, 10, and 5. So Brunson is going to come in here and take all of the all of the pressure off of Julius Randle. Julius Randle, I think him with winning numbers, his winning numbers would be 16, 11, and 3 on elite efficiency. I think those are winning numbers for Julius Randle, man. It's not about the numbers with him when it comes when, when it comes to me. It's about can you affect winning? I've always said this. Randle was not affecting winning last season. He was, actually, he was actually helping us lose. There was games where I literally would try to beg Tibbs through my TV screen. Please leave Randall on the bench. Please do not bring that energy back on the court. You know how many leads we lost last season because of Tibbs and Randall and sometimes the kids as well? Sometimes R.J. Barrett would go Kobe Bryant. But then again, if you R.J. Barrett, you passing the fucking ball to Evan Fournier, you passing the ball to Alec Burks, you're passing the ball to fucking Julius Randle. Oh, I'm going Kobe Bryant. So I can understand that. But at the same time, Brunson is here to cure all of that. And another main thing is Tom Thibodeau. This stupid 64-year-old head coach, who is very smart, by the way, and I call him stupid because he should know better, calls a lot of ISO. Brunson can fix that because Brunson can now hunt out switches Right, hunt out, hunt out the mismatch. Right, he could get in the lane every time. He could get to the basket. He's gonna make his free throw, or he's gonna make a smart decision with the basketball. That can help 
Tom Thibodeau and ease the pain of his ISO basketball. I I I just don't like ISO basketball, but that's Tibbs' thing. Tibbs run a semi triangle offense. Um, well, he tries to run a semi triangle. Um, Brunson will help cure that. Brunson will help cure the whole. If Randall's standing in the lane, he could tell Randall move. Um, get the switch. He could tell Mitch Robinson to move. He could tell RJ Barrett to get in his spots. So it, it's a breath of fresh air, man. It's a breath of fresh air. My, I, I don't like the overpay, but I understand why you give Brunson damn near $110 million for four years. You need a point guard in the building, man. I've been begging the Knicks since we drafted RJ Barrett. Can you please get us a functional fucking point guard? And they finally did it, you know. So kudos to Leon Rose, but not much kudos because – the job is still not finished. You still have log jams that you need to talk to me about. For example, the Derrick Rose situation, which I've always said, like, I love Derrick Rose, but Derrick Rose needs to go. There's no space for him here. Um, people talk about vet veteran leadership. We got young vets on the roster now, man. Enough with the handcuffs, enough with the pampers, enough with the baby and bullshit, enough with the whole, you know, Quickly needs Derrick Rose. No, enough is enough. Quickly's going into his third season. Barrett is going into his fourth season. Grimes going in his, into his second season. Mitchell Robinson is going to, into his fifth season. These guys are young adults now. It's cool to keep Taj Gibson, but if you keep Derrick Rose, Tibbs is going to fuck you. <laughs> that that that's what, if Tibbs see Derrick Rose, that's going to be a log jam. We cannot have Derrick Rose on the team next season. And I don't like playing Grimes out of position, right? I don't want to see Grimes at small forward no more. I want to see Grimes playing shooting guard. How is that possible if Derrick Rose is still on the roster? Rose is not a starting point guard anymore. That's Brunson's spot. Quickly is my backup point guard. Quickly is a combo guard. Yes, he's not fully a point guard. He's a combo guard. Brunson's a combo guard. So, once again, where the fuck does Derrick Rose fit? I want Grimes on the perimeter. I want Grimes at the shooting guard spot. And then it comes to the backup small forward position, right? Because now you got a backup small forward in Cam Reddish. So now where the fuck is Evan Fournier going? Where does he fit? I'm not starting Evan Fournier with Jalen Brunson. No, I'm not doing it. I don't even want to have those conversations. I would never have that conversation with a logical Nick fan because a logical Nick fan is not going to tell me that's a good that's a good combination right there. If you're logical, but here's the scary part: Tibbs ain't logical, <laughs> and if Tibbs ain't logical, then it's it, it's it's kind of scary that you know Tibbs is going to continue to do what the fuck he wants to do, how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. Can Tibbs change? I don't know. But at the same time, you still got to find these young guys' minutes, man. I don't want to go in, I don't want to go into September. And I'm still asking the question of will Cam Reddish play? Will I know Quentin Grimes is going to play, but will Cam Reddish play? I want Cam Reddish to play. And he needs to play. We got to protect Brunson, our new six foot one point guard. I don't want teams to be trying to hunt this man on defense, but I don't want Brunson to be trying to put all the responsibility on himself to actually defend his ass off because I can't just I can't trust 
just R.J. Barrett on the perimeter. I need more help on the perimeter. So I'm hoping that Tibbs, management, and these guys are working on a functional starting five to help Brunson. And I hope Cam Reddish is a part of that. But Cam Reddish, he has to want to be a part of that. Cam Reddish has to want to be great, man. The, the, the things you always hear about Cam Reddish is the same things you hear about Andrew Wiggins, right? That you used to hear about Andrew Wiggins. Um, you know, not a hard worker. Uh, you know, doesn't love the game much. Um, he don't play with that fire. He's on and off. He's this. He's that. Um, man, I, I understand it. And I understand that Cam Reddish, he got that, he got that, what's the temperament I'm looking for? He got that Paul George temperament, right? Everything is cool and calm. You know, Paul George didn't have that fire in his belly until later in his career. So he turned around like 20, 26, 27. Um, Andrew Wiggins, he didn't get that fire until he got to the Warriors, right? You, you get around a good ecosystem, good infrastructure, right? Can Cam Reddish get that fire? Do we have a good enough ecosystem? Do we have enough in, a good enough infrastructure? I think we do now. I think before the Knicks, uh, I, I don't think before the Knicks had, has had it, but, but I believe, wholeheartedly believe now we do. Um, the one, uh, the most underrated thing about Cam Reddish, um, just moving off the Brunson subject real quick, is the free throw shooting. And um, Cam Reddish only missed 26 free throws since his rookie season. And he's 86% from the free throw line in that span. 168 free throws made, 194 attempted. So that right there tells me he can be an, an elite shooter. If he continues to work on his game, he can be he can be an elite shooter, elite shooter. Um, free throw percentage is always a good indication of if a guy can shoot consist consistently or not. It, but there's always a rare anomaly like uh, Bruce Bowen, who is a horrible fucking free throw shooter, but always shot above thirty five percent from three. Oh, thirty eight percent from three, forty percent from three. So. Let's see, man. Let's see, man. I would love for Cam Reddish to get a fair shake, man, on the next next season. Brunson, RJ, Reddish, Randall, Mitch. That would that would be a lovely, lovely starting five. Lovely starting five. And that starting five will also show me that the Knicks is actually they they're trying to they're going with a direction, basically. Um Starting Evan Fournier, I, I—that's I, a lottery team to me. Got to start either Grimes or start Reddish. That shows me a dire direction. That shows me that you're trying to develop your assets. That shows me that even because we all know the Knicks are trying to trade for a star, can't trade for a star when you're trying to give Evan fucking Fournier a hundred gazillion minutes, right? You can't, you can't do that. Not every time. Not every time you need to be doing that. Um, Cam Reddish should always, should always be a player on your team. And that's for anybody. Um, I see that, um, guys, this, this wasn't a regular spaces. This was actually, um, a podcast episode, but Hey, this is my first time I'm um, doing it like this. I'm going to do all of my Nick podcast episodes like this. So shout outs to Ari, shout outs to, um, Trimel. I see that y'all want to join in on the convo. So, um, welcome both of you guys to State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 100. 
156. Um, Tremel, salute to you, brother. Salute to you, Ari. Um, Tremel, what's up, man? What's on your mind today? Um, go ahead. What's up? What's up, bro? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Speak to the people, man. What's up? What's on your mind? I'm on this highway, man. But you know, when you got into your D Rose thing, I mean, I first of all, you do a great job, man, with your articulation on your your points, man. Your thoughts on the Knicks and how they are and what they should do. And you know, most of the time we agree. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you know, we disagree when you start that D Rose shit. I tell you, man. Listen, that that's crazy to me. You're not gonna get rid of a D Rose, man. He's a high caliber veteran that any playoff team would love to have. You know, and I look at the Knicks now, the way they constructed their roster, they fixed some mistakes this summer. They're a playoff team. You need a vet like D Rose that knows how to close out games, that knows how to be clutch in the moments that we need somebody to step up that can be in the ear of a quickly of a Brunson of all of our young guys, just give them insight on what he sees on the floor. You need guys like that, not just coaches, not just guys who don't play, but guys that's actually in the trenches with them. That's giving them that advice because they're going to listen. Now, you gave two points on why we should get rid of him. You, you're talking about quickly. You're saying he's a combo guard. You said Brunson is a combo guard, which I disagree. Brunson is a point guard who can play off ball. So I don't know if you, when you say combo guard, do you mean a guard that can play on and off ball, or you're saying a, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. basically, yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, so, that's, a, a so that's correct. Brunson can play on and off ball, but but he's a point guard. Quickly is a combo guard. He can fit in with the point guard or the shooting guard because he he's 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 a long motherfucker you know what i'm saying he got a long uh wingspan even though he's not he he's not that tall in stature but he got some patrick newen size fucking arms that he can guard the two and three you know what i'm saying whatever you need him to guard he's gonna be good with that because he got he has good footwork and he got them long ass arms so quickly can play the two right beside D-Rose, and we've seen it work before. You know what I'm saying? And as far as Grimes, you're saying you don't want him to be a small forward. I agree. I don't want him at the small forward position either. But listen, you don't have to play all the bench guys with the bench guys. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want to see adjustments in that fucking mindset too. RJ needs to run. Give RJ some minutes with that second unit. You know what I'm saying? Let him be the small forward in that second unit. Bring Grimes in a little earlier, or if you know me, I want Grimes starting. I want Fournier either on a bench, fucking doing a taking a Steve Novak role, or off the team. But he shouldn't be starting. Mm-hmm. We agree on that. Either Grimes yeah, um, or Reddish yeah. should start. But what I'm saying is, you can mix and match. You know what I'm saying? You can. Yeah. Mix, mix and match in a way to where Grimes ain't playing small forward. You know what I'm saying? So there's other ways to go about doing it instead of just jettison D. Rose. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to talk about moving Fournier, okay, yeah, that's we can talk about that. If you want to talk about moving Randall, okay, yeah, we can talk about that. But when y'all get into this D. Rose, I, I mean, I can't get with – I don't see any logical reason 
for a, mm-hmm. a, a team that's trying to make the playoffs and the Knicks are trying to make the playoffs, you don't get rid of right. a player like D. Rose if you're trying to make the playoffs. So, so my thing, my thing is, so my only fight back against that is, you traded a first for Reddish. So, overall, I, I'm, I'm, let me come at it at this angle. The Knicks have to get rid of either Evan Fournier or Derrick Rose so the rotation can be set. So, what I mean by that is, if you keep both of them, either Grimes is not playing or Reddish is not playing. And I don't want to have that issue next season, one. And two, I feel like Grimes and Reddish are perfect players that you put beside Brunson to protect him. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to cause a log jam and also a log jam with the fans. Cause I don't want to have to come at Derrick Rose because Thibodeau wanna be a dumbass and he still wanna play his man's too many fucking minutes instead of trying to get these kids to 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 not, I can't even call them kids no more. Try to get these young men to develop even faster so they can help us win some fucking games. I, I love Derrick Rose, but I feel like he should be on a contender. I'm comfortable with quickly as the backup point guard. I think he's earned that role. I think he's earned that right from his play last season. Even when he was in a slump, he was still taking shots. He was still being himself. And I feel like Rose takes away from that. I also feel like Rose... And don't get me wrong, you need veteran leadership, right? Because we're seeing what's happening with the Hornets right now. The Hornets needs veterans badly, badly. Because we, we spoke about the Miles Bridges um, situation, right? When you have vets, you need – when you have vets like Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson, Gibson like that on your team, situations like what Miles Bridges is in wouldn't happen. So I can understand why you would want to keep a guy like D Rose, but just for me, for the for me to have more clarity with the roster and the rotations, Evan or Rose must be removed. Now, if it was up to me, this might sound crazy, but I will I would trade Rose before Evan Fournier, but one of them has to go. And the only reason why I would trade Rose before Evan Fournier because. You can never have not you you can never not have enough wings. One and two, you can never not have enough shooting. So that that was my only thing. You you go ahead though. But my my thing with it as well is as fans, yes, we want Grimes and Redis to get that opportunity because we feel like, hey. They can we have to acknowledge that our opinion can is a possibility that we can be wrong. It's a possibility that we can be wrong about Grimes. It's a possibility that we can be wrong about Reddish. You know what I'm saying? As fans, we don't know every fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? And my whole thing is this. Yes, if everything goes right and Grimes is who we believe he is and Reddish is who we believe he is, then they should be able to step in and help us get to where we need to be. But until that's proven by them having minutes on the court, we don't know that. So you don't jettison a player like D. Rose until you know shit like that for sure. You know what I'm saying? Because D. Rose is, not only is he going to help you win games, but he's going to help 
those guys improve. He's going to help those guys become the players that we want them to be. You know what I'm saying? You need guys like that. You can't have a whole roster full of 25, 26, and, and, and younger and thinking you can have somebody that has the experience and know how to, to win games in critical situations. You need guys with experience that have done it that can say, hey, listen, you know, I remember this play back in 2013. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. it, you need guys with that type of knowledge and experience, man, and especially with the respect that D. Rose has, you know, that he's going to have with those young guys. You don't jettison a player like D. Rose. Now, Fournier, I agree. What Fournier brings is elite shooting. But besides elite shooting, he don't really bring much. So I feel like the shooting, like you said, if Cam Reddish, because you, you talked about Cam Reddish possibly becoming an elite shooter. He's not one now. He's an elite free-throw shooter. But he's not an elite three-point shooter. He's not an elite shooter from the field. None of that yet. You know, he's young. He could possibly develop into that, just like Grimes. Grimes, we can't say Grimes is an elite shooter right now. He just had he's he's a rookie last year and, and played what 16, 17 minutes a game for the for the amount of games that he played, which wasn't much because of you know Tom Thibodeau not giving him the opportunity until injuries mounted. And then he he suffered some injuries himself. So the the thing is. We got to have guys like D-Rose on the roster until these guys show that, okay, they can be reliable and consistent in those moments where we want them to be so that they can become those players and ascend to those players that we hope they can ascend to. But until then, you can't get rid of guys like D-Rose. That's what I'm trying to explain. Yes, we want Reddish to, to become the Reddish that all of his – Number one supporters, they use Paul George. Yeah, he could be Paul George. I, I've heard some people say, "Oh yeah, he could be Tracy McGrady." Yeah. Well, shit, we don't we don't know that. He he has to he has to prove that on the court. Right now, he's just Cam Reddish, who's known as a very talented player, but inconsistent mm-hmm. thus far in his career. So, what I'm saying is, I understand when you talk about moving a guy like Fournier, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking, okay, we can probably replace this shooting. But you're not going to be able to replace what D-Rose brings with Reddish or Grimes or Quickly. You're not going to be able to replace that. So that's that's what I'm saying. Before you talk about getting rid of D-Rose, we have to be mindful that he brings elements to the game and to the team that nobody else on the team gonna be able to replace. Now, I cannot disagree with that. Um, I love the I love what you just said, Tremel. I appreciate what you just said. I can't disagree with that. Um, it's always nice to hear somebody who thinks opposite of me who says, "Nah, nah, state man. Let me let me tell you why this, that, and the third. So that was a good reason. I I can't lie to you. I I can't. I have no rebuttal for that. Honestly, um. I would love to keep Derrick Rose, but you know, I just I just want some more clarity with the roster, man. Maybe so maybe they'll wait until September until they actually get into training camp and see these guys face to face again and see what their progress is. And then you'll probably get a story leaked out like, okay, the Knicks is gonna move so and so before the season starts. So this guy can get minutes. So I I hope that's the that's the move. So Ari, 
I see you. I see you up here, Ari. Um, I appreciate you joining in on the Carbo. Ari, what's your what, what? How you feeling today, man? Because you usually very toxic, but today it today is mellow for me. I'm good right now. Um, how how are you, Ari? What's on your mind, man? What's up? What up? Um, I'm a little toxic today. I'll be honest. I'm a little toxic today. Nothing too crazy, but. You know, I just can't believe we capped ourselves out for Julius Randle and, <laughs> and, and, and Jalen Brunson. And, like, you know, we're just going to pretend like that's okay. Um, to be a perpetual, the almighty seven seed is now what we're going to call it. State. The almighty seven seed is, is the new name for this. But regardless of that, man, we are where we are. Um, I kind of agree with both of you when it comes to Derrick Rose. So I agree with um, Brownsville. Because he's the only one on the team that anyone even that needs to respect, right? The guy was a former MVP. Like, he was probably Emmanuel quickly induced McBride. He probably had a poster of Derrick Rose on their wall. Remember, you know, when D. Rose was balling, that was, what, 2009, 2010? These guys were, like, 10, 11 years old, right? Yep. This is, like, their fucking idol, okay? And he's done it before, and, like, everyone, everyone knows who the fuck D. Rose is. So I think there is value into keeping him. Um, that being said, if you can get a first round pick for him, you got to trade him. Like it's, I'm all about the price, right? Like if you're going to give me two second rounders, I'm going to keep him. If I just have to salary dump him, I'm going to keep him. But if you're going to give me a first round pick, you got to trade him. You just got to think like logically, right? Like, yes, it would suck to lose him there, but you're bringing in another first round draft pick. You know how important those things are, especially when you're trying to improve the team down the line. So, so Harry, yeah. I got a question for you. So Brunson is twenty five, RJ's twenty two. I think Brunson's twenty six. So Brunson's twenty six, RJ's twenty two, Quickly's twenty two, Mitch is twenty four, Obi's twenty four, Hardestine is twenty four, right. um, Obi's twenty four. You know, right. out of out of this that group that I just named to you, right? See it being possible that all of those guys take a leap and we win at least 50 games next season. If that's if Tibbs is not coaching like a dumbass. That's right. a big if. But all of those guys improve, literally improve going into next season. You don't see us taking that type of leap? Or you think Julius Randle, that toxic bastard, you think his his negativity is just going to still drag down in the Knicks? Well, I think his, it's not just his negativity. It's his, it's his usage. Like, no one else like – that's that's the – listen, man, this is why I said trade Julius Randle during COVID when everyone said I was crazy, even though I happened to be the only person that, that said that and happened no, to be I was right. with you. I, I, you were with me, but you were with me, but I, I was very vocal at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was on Knicks fan TV getting clown, but whatever. That's besides the point. But either way, the big reason I said that was because, number one, I knew it was a fluke, obviously. The guy's not going to shoot 43% from three ever again. But – he takes all the shots. All the offense runs through him. He has the ball in his hands the whole time. How is R.J. Barrett, especially Obi Toppin, who's not even going to get the minutes, but, like, how is even O.J. Barrett, uh, R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish, how are they going to legit take a real step? Like, I'm not talking about, like, improve your efficiency and, you know, up your average a couple points. I'm talking about, like, take a real step with Julius Randle still being the number one guy, taking as many shots as he is. That's an underrated concern because now Jalen Brunson's going to get his shots up. You know that. So yeah. now what? RJ's the third option. He's going to be the third guy. Are we going to have to deal with RJ 
standing in the corner now because Brunson's going to be acting like he's fucking Kyrie Irving and then Julius Randle is going to demand the ball at the high post and then think he's mellow and then take a fall-away contested two where he shoots like 30% on? Like, is that what our offense is going to be? Because then there's no way anyone's going to take a step forward. Anybody. Um, so that's why I've always been trade like the number one thing for the, the Knicks organization this, this summer is trading Julius Randle. Like you could talk about Fournier. Like I would trade Fournier too. Like I, I have no problem with that. But the thing about Fournier is that you can keep him on the bench. He only has one more year after this year, right? So you can keep him on the bench. You don't have to really worry about boosting his trade value. I think he becomes a spot expiring deal next year, right? And you can bring him in for shooting. D. Rose, if you can get a right good deal for him, you trade him. If not, you might as well keep his leadership here. But the only real th- issue is Randall. Now, if the Knicks do trade Randall, I think R.J. Bar- I think I think all the players could take a next step. But in order to really win 50 games, you need someone to be like a real all-star. And the only two people that I see on this team that have – the ceiling, like Cam Reddish is the wild card, but that I could see actually maybe turning into an all-star is uh, R.J. Barrett. And um, believe it or not, I think Obi Toppin could be an all-star too. Um, if he can shoot more consistently and he actually gets like, a, he has a point guard with him and he's getting real minutes, I think his upside is very underrated. He's athletic as fuck. He's a machine. His motor's out, outrageous. He has ball skills. He can pass the ball. Um, so I think, I think either one of those two could do it, but neither one of them will with Julius Randle on the team. So, so that's the whole thing. We got to trade him. So I agree with everything you just said. Um, get the big six nine, two hundred fifty 250 pound bitch ass motherfucker off the team. I agree with that. So my fight back against that is cause I'm going to, I'm going to try to be positive is Jalen Brunson's the key to all of this, right? This is why you give the this is why you give him the big bucks. Can Jalen Brunson look at Julius in his fucking face and tell him with a straight face, big dog, today's not your day right now. RJ is hot. Can he tell Randall, move out the paint? Can he tell Mitchell Robinson, move, get to your spot? Can he direct RJ Barrett? Because I, I, I'm not too concerned about Jalen Brunson's numbers. I'm more concerned about his impact on the team as a whole. I think if, I think if Jalen Brunson, if he pops the way people say he will, then Mitchell Robinson should be an All Star next season. Honestly, if that's the case, um, if Jalen Brunson pops, then RJ Barrett should be an All Star next season. If that's the case. Rudy Gobert made the All-Star game, and he only averaged about, what, 14, 15 points? So if Mitchell Robinson ups his points to 14 points per game, double-double every night, and he could easily do that, but, like, three drop-offs a game from um, Jalen Brunson. Can R.J. Barrett, now that he has less pressure on him to be on ball, can he um, evolve his game into a, a, a more established player? I think he can next to Brunson. But the wild card to all of this is number 30. Can we rein, can can Tibbs rein him in? I, I don't know, Ari. I, I think I got to agree with you with that, man. The Randall stuff is so scary, bro. I mean, that's the only thing that matters, dude. Because, like, the only person who 
like if Julius if, if Jalen Brunson starts barking at Julius Randle, like it's not gonna end well for Brunson in my opinion. But if Derrick Rose barks at Julius Randle, and I know Derrick Rose is a very like nice guy, he's like soft spoken, you're not gonna do that. But if he did do that, I guarantee you Julius Randle would fucking listen to that. Because he's fucking Derrick Rose. That's that's where I kinda agree with Brownsville. But it, it doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't dude if, if Julius Randle's on this team there's no way this team is winning anything, bro. There's no way this team is developing or winning anything. So they have to trade him. It's whether they're actually going to trade him before the season starts, where his value is low, or they're going to try to take a chance and think that because he's playing with Jalen Brunson and, you know, rehabilitate his image, basically, and, you know, up his value again and then trade him at the deadline. Either way, you can't have Obi Toppin and Julius Randle on this team. One of them has to go, right? And after what we saw from Obi... At the end of the year, <laughs> like, bro, yeah. man, like the guy is, un- is un- he. I've never seen a fucking dude get to from one end of the floor to the other floor faster than Obi. I've never seen someone that tall and lanky jump like that and just like go through the legs in a fucking game. The guy had forty-two points on like twelve percent. It's like Amari Stoudemire. Granted, it was like the last week of the season. No one gave a fuck, but. That's the only time we've seen Obi with like thirty plus minutes. If the only times we've ever seen him with thirty plus minutes, he's put up like fucking real numbers, like like eight year vet veteran, like all star type numbers when he gets that kind of minutes, bro. You so, can't have Randall on him on the team, bro. You gotta trade one of them. So I got a stat for you since we on the Obi Toppin subject. Um Obi Toppin when playing thirty plus minutes in seven games, he averaged 25 points per game, seven rebounds per game, four basically four assists per game, and he averaged a block on 57% from the field, 45% from three, and 89% from the free throw line. That's, that's, that's an all-NBA player right there. That's fucking crazy, especially on those efficiencies. Granted, it's low sample size, but those are fucking insane numbers. 25 and seven, that's on, 45, on 40% from three, and 57 from the field. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's like fucking, that's like Tim Duncan shit. <laughs> I got another stat for you too, and, and this is very interesting. Um, it's funny how Randall had one of the highest usage rates on the team, and we're one of the slowest paced teams in the league. So when Obi Toppin is on the floor, the Knicks play at the pace of the NBA's eight, the eighth fastest team in the NBA. When Obi Toppin is on the floor, when he's not on the floor, the Knicks are the twenty third fastest team in the NBA. So, so exactly, what you just said. Yeah, he's, he's one of the fastest players in the league, bro. The dude is fast. Dude, he's outrageous. Hard, he's outrageous, bro. His motor—he'll run up and down and back, and then just jump forty feet in there. He can shoot a little bit. I've seen him take it off the dribble a little bit. He's a good passer, man, and he's like. The most important thing is that he's fucking gets paid like one, like ten percent of what Julius gets paid. Why the fuck are you just not moved to Julius? If if, <laughs> if 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 Obi could give you, forget about better production, but let's say even Obi could give you seventy five percent of the production that Julius Randle does, he makes twenty percent of money, dude. So that's a guy that it's a no brainer. You have to move this fucking guy. It's just a matter of do you want to sell low on him? Or do you want to try to boost up his value and sell high, take a chance that his value would go high and sell him at the deadline? Personally, me, 
I would just cut my L right. I just take an L right now, dude. If I had to, if I had to throw a draft pick just to get this guy on the team, I'd do it because I want Obi to get real minutes from early on in the season. And the biggest beneficiary will be R.J. Barrett because then it'll be R.J. Barrett's team. The offense will run through him. He'll be option A. And then to State's point, if R.J. fucking takes a real step and turns into a real all-star, averaging 24 points a game uh, on, on, you know, decent percent shooting and, 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 you know, has the high usage, I don't know if we're going to win 50 games, but we'll make the playoffs if that's the case. So that's how important it is to move Julius Randle. Not just from – it's from a – from a player development standpoint, it's massive, massive, bro. So, so here's the thing, right? Um, I, I got another stat for you. So, Obi Toppin is the third player, third player in Knicks history with at least forty points, ten rebounds, and five threes in a game. The others, the other two, the other NBA players that played for the Knicks that had those type of stats was Carmelo Anthony and Julius Randle. My thing, and I've been preaching this for the past, like, two weeks, is you can never go to war with less soldiers. The more soldiers that you got to go to war with, the better the better the chance of you winning that war. Can Randall – can it's three things. Can Tibbs find a way to put Randall and Obi Toppin on the floor? That's the first thing. He has to become innovative. Because I've seen Luke Walton play Julius Randle at center 51% of the time while he was a Laker. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is Tibbs innovative enough to try Obi Toppin at different positions? So uh, is he innovative enough to try Obi at the small? Is he innovative enough to try Obi Toppin at small forward? Should I watch Larry Marketing play small forward for the Cleveland Cavaliers? So can he, can he try to do that? And the last thing um, is, will Tibbs give Obi at least 25 minutes per game? Because Obi Toppin is an energy guy. He's not going to he's not going to wow you if you put him on the floor for five minute stints. It's, it's just not going to work. Those those are my three main things when it comes to um, the Knicks and, and Obi Toppin and Julius Randle. I, like I, more than twenty-five minutes in my book. I think he needs at least thirty minutes a game. Honestly, thirty. Yeah, I think yeah. he needs thirty. Man, he's going into his third year, and he's not young. He's, he's like twenty-five. Like, we need to really fucking really evaluate this guy. And it's the same thing with Cam Reddish. We gave up a first-round pick for this guy. He has probably the, one of the highest upside ceilings on the team. Also, he needs real burn too, man. And that's why, um, you know, that's why it was such a travesty what Tiz was doing yesterday, uh, last year with with Evan Fournier and um, Alec Burks playing all those minutes, man, because it didn't give us a chance to fucking evaluate our talent, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't, first of all, like, I know some people are saying that Obi could play the three. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he could play the five, though. But either way, man, Julius Randle, he's like Carmelo Anthony in the sense where he, he disrupts the whole offense of the offensive flow of the game because he, he's a ball stopper. The only difference is Carmelo Anthony is like a historically good basketball player. Like top 5, 10 bucket of all time. Julius Randle is, is not that level. So when he stops the ball, it's very very inefficient the way he does it. It's like Russell Westbrook. Very inefficient. 
Oh man, I, I, I say this. I say this about Julius Randle, bro, and I agree with everything that Ari's saying about him, and also you state. Uh, mm. But one thing I say, one thing I add to the discussion is this: Julius Randle is coming into this season at pretty much the lowest point of his career, in my opinion. He knows that the fans hate him. He knows that he regressed significantly from his MIP season right after he got the bag. And he knows that he's the primary reason why, you know, the Knicks kind of fell short from their goal as far as improving from the playoff year. So he's coming, he's coming into this season pretty much. I mean, if he's not if he's not hungry and starving to show something, then I don't know what else it is, man. But I just believe that he's gonna come into this season and he has no choice but to come into this season humble. He doesn't have any pressure at all, which last year coming in, he had a tremendous amount of pressure to, you know, he had pretty much unreachable uh <laughs> expectations because there was no way he can play better than he played, you know, during the COVID year. Right. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't reach, he couldn't reach that level. You know what I'm saying? No matter what. Now you got fans like Ari saying, get, get him the fuck off the team. He's, he doesn't have any value. I don't want him. I don't want to see him play a minute. You know what I'm saying? So those are the expectations mm -hmm. that he's coming into next season with fans don't want him. Fans don't think he, he he's good for the team. They think he he ain't shit. So, but he but we know he has tantalizing talent, right? The dude, yep. He knows how to play basketball. You know what I'm saying? And if he can just lock in, if he can just control his fucking emotions and take some fucking accountability within himself, you know what I'm saying? Take some account, some self accountability. Like, hey man, I fucked up last year. I need to do things, not only show with my effort and my attitude, but show, you know, show fans that I'm going to fight for loose balls. I'm going to hustle on defense. I'm going to get back on defense. I'm going to fucking pass the fucking ball without taking 10 dribbles. You know what I'm saying? Like, he can do some small shit mm -hmm. to really elevate himself. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, with those stats, the 16 and 11, you know what I'm saying? Like, if he comes in with that type of attitude, he's going to he's gonna be successful, man. And I think that's what the Knicks are hoping for. But I, I, I also agree that Ovi needs to at least get 20 to 25 minutes somehow. Like, the, the, first, the first way a coach can hold a player accountable is by reducing minutes, right? So if, if Randall, for some odd reason, he doesn't want to fall back in his usage and he doesn't want to, you know, run the plays that the coach wants Brunson to run, then sit his ass down and put Obi Toppin in there. Yeah, but that lowers you know his value saying? even more. That lowers his value even more. If you're trying to trade him, you can't have fucking him backing up Obi. You know the Knicks are. It's all optics. They're never going to fucking do that if they're trying to trade this guy. So... The way that's the way I look at it, man. You gotta, you gotta, like, if Obi wasn't on this team, I'd say whatever. Maybe give it a shot. Try to try to increase his value. But at this point, having him on, like, 
the risk of having him on the team outweighs the reward of the potential that you could boost his trade value. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to get a lot from him anyway. Like, because his contract is, is such a big contract. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, unless he plays like he did all, like, even at his peak all NBA year, you're looking at max two first round draft picks, right? So it's like, are we really going to fucking, you know, block Obi Toppin and run everything through Julius Randle and, and do this experiment again? Just in the hopes that you can build him up to get one first-round draft pick as opposed to just, like, breaking even. Let's get rid of this fucking guy and start over, man. Start fresh. <laughs> Let fucking RJ get the keys from day one, man. Like, that's the way I look at it, bro. And why would Randall even want to be here, man? He's a win-now player on a developmental team, man. It's like what Deontay Murray said. He's like, listen, like, uh, you know, the, the, the Spurs were trying to rebuild. I want to compete and I want to win now. I want and I wanted to go to Atlanta. Like, why would Julius Randle not say the same thing? I want to compete now for a championship, right? And um, I don't want to go through this rebuilding process. He should want to leave, but the only problem is the Knicks are not trying to rebuild. That's why. That's where we're fucked. That's going to be the real reason why we're fucked, Steve. Not because. But, but Ari, Ari, I got a question for you, bro. I got a question for you, bro. Yeah. With with Julius Randle, right? Is it talent? Inability, or is this his attitude that that you have such a, a problem with? It's it's his it's his it's his attitude and his play style, his style of play. It's not about his talent necessarily, but it's about the fact that he when he's most effective, he needs the ball in his hands, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what he does. He needs the ball in his hands. He needs to be catching the ball like you know in mellow territory, and then like doing the. Uh, pull a, a pass, kicking it out, or going one on one jab step. Like the only problem is he's not good enough to be that guy. He's not Jason Tatum. He's not Ben Booker. He's not Melo. He's not KD. Like he's not. He has talent, but the, his style of play is a ball stopping style of play. Like the only team I can see Julius Randle honestly thriving on is if he fucking plugs him into the Golden State Warriors system. And you had him backing up uh, Draymond or starting for Draymond or whatever with the ball movement and stuff like that. You know, if he plays in that system, I can see it being okay for him. But this whole give the ball to him, clear out, let him make decisions, his style of play bothers me a lot. And he's also, that's the big difference with Obi. Obi doesn't need the ball to be effective. You don't need to run plays for Obi for Obi to get you 20 points a game. That guy can get you 20 points a game off of transition. Um, lobs to the basket, threes, offensive rebounds, like things like that. Randall needs to go ISO to get his get his buckets, man, and it ruins the whole flow of the game. But he is a talented player. Like for someone his size to have that kind of handle, that can shoot a little bit, that's strong, that can go to the hole, that's not a bad passer when he's not getting double teamed or whatever. He can make the right pass. I mean, he's a talented player, but that play style does not work. Um, and the problem with him is he can't play off ball. I, I don't know if he can really play off ball because he's not a really good shooter. Like, Chris Bosh was a really good shooter. Kevin Love was a really good shooter. You know what I mean? I don't know if he can just – is Randall going to stay in the corner and play off ball? That's the problem with him because he's not a good fit really anyway because he needs the ball to be effective, but he's not good enough to have the ball in his hands too much, if that makes any sense. Hmm. I, I agree, but – when we when before we got him right, he was on New Orleans, right? 
and they had him in uh, pretty much what I thought was an ideal role for him. He was he played some minutes on ball, some minutes off ball. He started some games, some games he came off the bench. Right. But he was highly effective. He was highly efficient. And he was a valuable player. You know what I'm saying? To the point that, hey, we wanted him as our plan B guy because we wasn't going to get KD and, and, you know. So we we valued him to the point that we say, okay, yeah, he, he gives us something. Now, what happened when he came to the Knicks, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of talent, right? So they asked him, Frisdale asked him to be LeBron James, right? And he took that LeBron James role. You know, that, that wasn't a role that he always played. That was a role that David Fisdale gave to him. And then when, you know, Tom Thibodeau got the job, it was like, okay, that was his role. You know what I'm saying? So they kind of, he pushed it to the max. So I think that there's some a middle ground that, that can take place if he's still here. Now, I agree, Ari. I would trade him tomorrow and bring in Melo to back up Obi. That's what I would do. I would, that was, that would do Julius too. Randall, bring in Melo to back up Obi. You said that would be terrible? I said that's what I would do, too. That's what I would do, too. I said. That's what I would do. But I don't think the Knicks are going to do that because I don't believe that they feel like the value for Julius Randle is out there. That's just my opinion. They could turn think- around and, and fucking trade him tomorrow and I'll look like a dumbass on here. But I, I just think- don't think it's going to happen. So I think that there should be a middle ground somewhere where they can show him the tape of him in New Orleans and and show him what they want him to be with Jalen Brunson and with R.J. Barrett and with Obi Toppin getting more minutes, right? And and he has to buy in. And if he doesn't buy in, then you fucking reduce his minutes and reduce his role. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, then, I mean, then you have someone making $30 million a year on a reduced role. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Even if he plays well, like, do you really want to have $230 million tied into Jalen Brunson and Julius fucking Randle? Like, I don't, right? And I think the reason they're not going to trade him is maybe you're right. Maybe they think this value is too low right now. But I think the real reason why they're not going to trade him is because the optics of it make it look bad. You just threw this guy the bag last year and you realize you fucked up, so now you're going to trade him for nothing. It makes Leon Rose look bad in front of Dolan. That's what I think the fucking deal is. Because the Knicks are all optics-driven team. You know what I'm saying? Everything they do is, is how everything's going to be perceived. They're not actually concerned about putting a championship team together. They just want to make it seem like they're like really trying and you know um, doing the best they can, which is the biggest problem I have with them. But like, even like that's what I'm saying. Even if he plays well, you still got to trade him. You're just going to trade him for more shit, right? Um, and I just wouldn't waste that time. I, I'd give Obi the keys from the jump, man. And let, let Randall win a chip somewhere, chase a chip. And also, he was backing up Anthony Davis too. When he that he was coming off the bench, that's why like Randall is good with he came off the bench. If he was like your six man big off the bench, and then when when Julius Randle when AD got injured, then he started starting games and, and and putting up more usage. Um, but um, it's what you said, man. He's the Plan B guy, but they treated him like he's the Plan A guy here. You can't do that. And do you really want to pay Jalen Brunson as your plan A guy and, and Julius Randle as your plan B guy, that kind of money? I don't. I wouldn't have done either of that shit, to be honest with you. 
I would have just ran IQ, kept the six second round picks, let Burks and Noel bench them, let them expire, come off the books. I would have traded Randall, traded Fournier, traded everyone else. Start fucking Quentin Grimes or Cam Reddish, one of them. Let Obi pay 30 fucking minutes a game. Get as many wins as you can, and if you tank, you get Victor Wembanyama, whatever the fuck it is, and then you make a move in 2023-2024 when you have more assets. That's what I would have done, but it's not what we're doing. We're trying to play this mediocre fucking almighty seven-seed scam, bro. And I feel, like trying to, I feel like State's trying to talk himself into, like, being positive, but at the end of the day, State, we have $230 million in, in Randall and Jalen Brunson, and Evan Fournier is still on our team. And um Ari, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. The money the money don't really matter at this point. I mean in two years that's gonna look like pennies, Ari. Yeah. I mean fucking uh Zion got two hundred and thirty million by himself. You know, why would we just why would we just throw two two years out the window? Like why would no, we No, I'm not saying throwing okay. throwing two years out the window. What I'm saying is you 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 can still make moves later. Like, they can still choose to make moves at the deadline. Right. They can still choose to make a move, you know, to get him off the team next summer. And you still have Obi locked in. Like, let's say if they, if if Randall doesn't buy in for some reason, right? And let's say he still puts up decent numbers. Let's say his minutes are lower. Let's say the Knicks make the playoffs. And Randall, with Randall in a reduced role, and Obi Toppin's getting 20 to 25 minutes a game, and he's still lighting it up like the way he lit it up at the end of last season. At that point, shit, you don't care what you get for Randall, right? Because you got his you, – you know what you have in Obi at that point. So I, I, I agree with you that they need to make some decisions, but they don't necessarily have to make the decision tomorrow like we want them to. It can happen at the deadline. It can happen next offseason. The deadline is the deadline for me. I'll tell you that much. If Julius Randle is on this team after the trade deadline next year, I'm fucking done, bro. No. You can't You can't wait. To, he should be gone now. But if you're going to do that, try to rehabilitate his fucking value and boost his shit up and then trade him at the deadline, okay. But I'm not, I'm not watching another fucking year of that bullshit. I'm going to be sitting fucking 10 years. Ten minutes on the bench, the whole fucking bro. This guy needs to get paid eventually. It'll be like that's you can't let that go down, bro. You gotta trade this motherfucker at at latest the deadline, at absolute latest, bro. So um, they they fucked up by not trading him when they drafted Obi Toppin. They should have traded Julius Randle. We all know that. That's where that's where they, that. they they fucked up the church's money right there. When they you draft Obi Toppin, when I was saying trade him at the deadline. They could have gotten two first-round picks for him because Nikola Vucevic got two first-round picks um, from the Bulls. And I remember going on Knicks Fan TV, I'm like, trade this fucking guy, we can get two first-round picks. And literally every single person proceeded to call me fucking horrible names, laugh at me, tomatoes, talk mad shit. And I was saying that. And look what ended up happening. That's right. That's right. When you're a company man. So when you're trying to make your company look good, you gotta always talk good for the company, right? So, um, I appreciate both of y'all coming on State of the New York Knicks podcast. Once again, this is episode one hundred one fifty six. Um, I'm surprised my, by myself that I got a hundred plus podcast episodes in, but you know, you gotta love the Knicks. Um, the last subject, and I see Shannon, you want to pull up? Um, 
So for the last 15 minutes, the last subject I wanted to wanted to talk about was um since we're this Randall topic, the the situation that's happening in uh the Hornets right now. Um so we know Miles Bridges, he's going through a situation currently and he probably won't be playing basketball this season for the Hornets. The Hornets just signed um, Steve Clifford. I know he's not a tanking coach at all, but they have a huge hole at the power forward spot now that Miles Bridges won't be returning to the Hornets. So do you guys, um, well, basically Shannon, since you just um, pulled up, do you think that the Hornets will call the Knicks for Julius Randle or for Obi Toppin, rather, um, if Miles Bridges, well, because we know Miles Bridges won't be playing this season, but do you think the Hornets will call the Knicks and actually offer up a package for Julius Randle? Because now they got a huge hole at the power forward spot. And I still don't know about um, Gordon Hayward's uh, uh, availability, but I do know he's not a power forward at all. That's not a bad thought. That's not, you know, I was going to say something else, but that's that's not a bad thought. They definitely, like you said, there's a there's a hole there, and I think they could use either Randall or Obi. I mean, Obi with Lamelo Ball and the pick and roll would be a monster. That's a, that's a phenomenal fit, and he has the athleticism that Miles Bridges. They're going to lose with Miles Bridges, so that would be phenomenal. It would be a mistake for us to give it to Obi, I think, but also I think that Lamelo Ball. Speaking or what's happening? Yeah. You can't hear me. You don't hear me? I can I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Oh uh, no, I didn't know if I was talking or not. Um, so I think he's so, having problems with his connection. That's all. All right. So um, but oh, but you know, with Lamelo's gravity, that could be an ideal spot for Randall as well because Lamelo, that's his team, and that's clearly his team, and Randall's gonna have to go there and fit in. So, like Jamel was saying, uh, if you know, if Randall, you know, can go back to what he what he was effective at. I think that would be a good place for him. But also what I wanted to say, State, was I don't even see the fit with Brunson and Randall. What, what Brunson does well, Randall, to me, was just being his way. He doesn't move. He doesn't, he doesn't set picks. Uh, he's not a cutter. Uh, he's not even a good spot-up shooter. So when he gets, you know, catch and shoots, he's not really effective. He needs to be in rhythm. He shoots better off the dribble. He's not even great at that, but he, he shoots better at that. But I think, you know, with Obi and Brunson – there's a part of Obi's game that there's so much more levels to his games that we haven't seen yet, which it's, it, you know, it, it's still, it's a civil lining to that because it, it forced him to expand his game, things that he didn't really do in college. So, you know, he was forced to play in the perimeter. He was forced to be a, a corner guy. So it made him be more effective. You know, he was forced to be not, you know, not a top option. So he was effective at passing the ball, keeping the ball movement, cutting to get his opportunities he got better at, at, as the season progressed, you know, hitting those, you know, three-point shots. But really his game, and I think with Brunson, it fits like a glove and he could be a beast in that. His game is pick and roll and pick and pop. We haven't really seen – we've seen just touches of him shooting in the mid-range, and he's been good at it. Maybe, you know, it might seem to do it like five or six times like last season, less than ten. But when he did it, his shot looked pure. So, you know, and then Brunson – you know, Brunson, in terms of points for possession and pick and roll, he's one of the top guards in the league at that. So he's over one point, which is really good. He's over, well over one point uh, per possession in the pick and roll. 
And Obi likes to make picks. You've seen it. You know, I, I posted on a thread today, State, what, you know, because I was having a debate with Buds, what Obi did in the Charlotte game. And you, and you saw him, you know, as a starter, he would take the dribble, he would pass it to the guard, but then he would pick to get the guard to open shot. You know Tibbs is not having him do that because Randall doesn't do it. That's just his basketball IQ. He knows that's a smart play. You put him in a pick and roll with Brunson, you couldn't stop either of them because Brunson is a beast when he gets in the paint. He's an effective shot maker and a good finisher. But but also if you try to stop him, now Obi with his elite elite athleticism playing about the rim, they would those two that would look it sounds, you know, like hyperbole, but it would look similar to what Nash and, and Amari had going on. Because you couldn't stop those two when the, or the pick and pop. You know, Brunson has the basketball IQ, like Tramel said, he's a true point guard. So even if Obi didn't roll over to the basket, that would unlock he's very effective at the pick and pop. So yeah. those two together, and with the stuff that he's already doing, like you said, he, from, he can get from the defensive rebounds under the rim and beat everyone down court. You know, mm-hmm. not, people think he's cherry picking. If you look at if you look at, at his clips, he's not he's not just leaking out from the three point. He's leaking he's out fast with his, as hell. his head is under the rim and he's still beating every big and guard down at the other end. So so you know that's part of his game that we've seen. The part that we haven't unlocked because we haven't had the guards to do it. Um for some reason he's not putting in that action. But you put him in that action you know, and like uh, Ari said, I mean, you're talking, you know, a really, a really effective player who could look like an all-star. So from that perspective, I, I think I agree. We cut our losses with Randall. He is a more talented player than Obi, but he's not a better player than Obi for us and not effective for what we need for our team in terms of pace, in terms of continuity, play movement, ball movement, basketball IQ. Randall never looks in the interior. Forget passing to the interior. He doesn't even look at it. Obi, when he gets in the game in limited minutes, he's he's a, the other big who's passing to other bigs. He's just a very smart player. So so no. So to touch both of your points, I agree. Obi, uh, Randall, whatever we can get from him, even if we take a little loss, we're gonna gain. And plus, I I don't see I don't want to keep him up to the trade deadline because to me, that's a that's a whole year where we're not building continu- continuity with the team that we have, and that could be a hole that could tank the whole season that we may not get out of. I just think that we're doing ourselves a disservice having him on the team. I think that it's not a spot for him anymore. So I would like to give it to him now. Hopefully they're doing that. We just saw a clip with, with Dolan coming out of a restaurant with Melo. So maybe that, you know, so, you know, just playing the conspiracy theory, maybe that is a plan to work out a deal for this guy and have Melo back up Obi. That would be ideal to me. And I do think Randall would be a great fit in um, Charlotte. They need it, like you said. Uh, they have a hole at that position right now. And LaMelo has a gravity that Randall won't be ball dominant. He can't be. That's LaMelo's team. And you put him in a position where, you know, he just has to go to his spot and, and react when he gets the ball. That's mm-hmm. an ideal position for him. So I think that's a win-win for both teams. So my last question, and um, I'm a, I'm a, my last question, and then I'm going to end this spaces because this is actually a, a podcast, and I'm going to start up another spaces. So the last question I have, and I just put the poll out, is um would you now let's say the Suns don't get Kevin Durant right? Would you call the Suns and try to offer Randall or whatever picks or whatever for Mikel? Would you try to trade for Mikel Bridges? Um, I believe that Mikel Bridges played college basketball with Jalen Brunson. Uh, 
college teammates. I think they would fit together in the star lineup. I think also a guy like Jalen Brunson fits the profile of a guy, like the ideal fit next to R.J. Barrett and uh, Jalen Brunson for me would be Mikael Bridges. So how do you feel feel about that? And do you think the Suns would even entertain that? Because they obviously don't have uh, a starting power forward, one. And two, they don't know what they're doing with Aiden. So do you think they'll call the Knicks can call them and try to offer them that? Or do you think that um, they will call the Knicks and try to pry Randall from us? Uh, I, I, the way I feel about that state, and that's a good, I mean, that's another good question. And that's another good observation, probably a spot for Randall, um, especially when you consider, you know, his Kentucky roots, Devin Booker's Kentucky roots, so on and so forth. Um, the only thing is, I think they're dead set on trying to get Kevin Durant. And I don't think they're going to do anything to fuck that opportunity up. You know what I'm saying? They know eventually Kevin Durant's going to get traded. And I think they're going to hold their options open because they know Mikel, he's a valuable player. Like, he's a role player, but he's a, a valuable role player, right? Like, anybody's going to want to trade for him because of what he brings. He, he adds winning elements to the game of basketball. He defends. He shoots the three well. And he just plays the game the right way. So I think they're going to hold on to him until they know for sure that, you know, what's happening with Kevin Durant. Like, if, if they lose out, let's say Kevin Durant goes to Toronto, I think that could probably open up, you know, an idea to to go in that direction. But at the same time, you know, I think they'll be looking like, well, you know, why would we want Julius Randle instead of Bridges? So I think you know the I think the thing about that, I I think the the thing about that is um you have Booker you have Chris Paul is Randall a better talent than Aiton right now that's kind of debatable right now <laughs> that that's a that's kind of debatable Randall is twenty ten and five right Aiton we know Aiton averaged a double double since he's entered the league. But when you see Aiden's production in the playoffs and his coach has to constantly give him pep talks throughout the game, that's kind of worrisome. And also, the Phoenix Suns is notoriously cheap. This is the same team I, I watched back in 2005 that allowed Joe Johnson to walk for absolutely no reason. Corey McGetty, they, they had a great team in 2007. They allowed a couple of their players to walk. Um, the, I, I don't really know if they would do that swap, but if I was the Suns, I kind of would entertain it. Like you said, Bridges is, is an elite role player, but at the same time, when you got a guy like Chris Paul, and you got Devin Booker, and you got the K- Kentucky connections over there, um, I think that would be a great spot for him, but I would love to see a defense that has RJ Brunts um, that has RJ, Mikel Bridges, Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes on the court. That would be a great um perimeter defending team. Like I I, I would love that. I I don't know. That that question just came randomly came to my mind. 
Um, it's funny that that's crazy, but um, I appreciate. Yeah, it would be it would be amazing if we can yeah. if we can get him and swap him for Julius Randle. That I mean, you want to <laughs> talk about at, at that point? You you you're fucking talking about GM of the year. Hey, Tram, if we if, in state, if we did that, that was an incredible question, state. If we did that, I think we're one of the better teams in the East. If we if we added Mikhail, he's such an elite defender. And he's so smart playing off the ball. He doesn't need he doesn't need to have plays run for him. And he's a, a great shooter. You talk about the ultimate three and D guy. You put him with you talk about athleticism, speed, pace, transition buckets. You put him on the floor with Brunson and Obi and RJ. And you talk about the defense and and you talk about the versatility on defense when they switch in. We, we would be one of the better. We would be. We would contend. I believe we'd be one of the better teams. That would be such an incredible trade. But I don't see uh, Phoenix doing it because they lose too much defense. He does too much for them defensively. So to bring right, in Randall, right, right. I don't see them doing it. Yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing that. But if I mean, hey, listen, Leon, if you listening worldwide, <laughs> if you listening, do that shit. You know what I'm saying? Listen to State. Matter of fact, call State up. Ask him for the fucking details and get that shit done ASAP. <laughs> hey, man, I just random thoughts that be coming in my mind, bro, like random trades and stuff. But that was a that was a good trade. I just thought that that just randomly came to my mind. But I appreciate you guys coming onto the episode of State of the New York Knicks, episode 156. Um, I'm going to start up another Spaces within a minute or so. So... I could actually like have multiple speakers speaking. Um, once again, I appreciate all of you guys listening in. This is my first time actually trying this way. I actually loved it more this way. Um, I will definitely put out at least seven audios tonight. Finally, Eru has sent me the um, the the link on Streamyard the way I can upload the audios myself now. So shout outs to my guy Eru. Go listen to Eru's podcast. Go listen to Die Hard Knicks. Um, you know, state of the New York Knicks. That's me. I appreciate all these guys coming in once again. OG, um, Shannon, uh, Tramel, Brutus. I see you. Um, all of you guys, man. I appreciate all of you guys tuning in, man. I'm definitely about to start up another spaces as well. So look out for that. I'm out of here. It's your boy State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 156. Appreciate you guys. <laughs>